We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paula flying solo tonight looking at the post-game show, trying to wrap my mind around this Rams loss today. The Rams lose at home to the Washington Redskins 27-20 in a game that very early threatened to be a blowout for the Redskins. The Rams claw their way back. They tied up at 20-20 in the fourth quarter, um, but the Redskins get one last drive out of Kirk Cousins and crew to uh earned the 27-20 victory. The main issue today, and there were a few, there were a few issues with the Rams. The main issue, the rush defense. It was uh, porous, to say the least, giving up over 200 yards to the Redskins. Three, three running backs for the Redskins rush for over 60 yards. This includes Chris Thompson for 77 yards on three carries, just three carries. A 61-yard touchdown run. Two touchdowns for him today. Rob Kelly, before he went out, 12 carries, 79 yards, 6.6 average, a 21-yard run. Again, he left the game in the second quarter. Uh, he's injured. Uh, Samanja Perrine, 21 carries, 7 yards. Again, 21 carries and 67 yards, including a long of 12. Uh, that's over 200 yards rushing. 
that's just that's not what NFL defenses do. It's just again, that's just not what NFL defenses do. And well, that's what this defense did. And that's a problem. It looked worse early on than what the final score indicated. It was at one point a twenty to ten game. It was thirteen nothing. So the Rams fought back. Let's give them credit for that. The the main problem for the Rams on the edges. They the fundamental issue in any defense, but especially in a three four when you're not when your defenders or your defensive ends aren't out wide, is your edge rushers have to be be there also to set the edge. They weren't there tonight. Um, Connor Barwin made a couple of nice plays in the second half to slow them to, to show some improvement. But overall, the Rams three four. Um, this again this. Wade Phillips modified 4-3 into a 3-4-ish version here. That, that, it didn't do the job tonight. And we saw a similar trend last week against the Indianapolis Colts before the Rams, uh, well, before they pulled away. The news isn't all bad for the Rams. But there were other issues as well. Penalties. Penalties were a major issue. Cost the Rams on numerous drives. Robert Woods, uh, making some boneheaded plays late in the game. Penalties overall for the Rams, really a problem. Really a problem. Let's talk about what kind of problem here. Penalties, seven penalties for 75 yards. The Redskins are flagged for four for 25 yards. Also, again, going back, just just to rehash that rushing, the Rams gave up 5.8 yards per carry. 5.8 yards per carry. That's just not acceptable for any NFL defense. And you're not going to win a lot of games giving up, you know, that kind of yardage. Overall, it meant the Redskins held on the ball for 36 minutes and 10 seconds. Um, They punted four times, same as the Rams. Um, But again, it was, it was really, it was the running game today that set the standard for the, for the Redskins. Other issues. Mitchell Robert Woods, we we see we saw a little bit of regression from Jerry Goff, and I think that's to be expected. Goff today goes 14 for 24 for 228 yards, a touchdown interception. Looked good for most of the game when he when he's given time to throw. He made a really nice play um, to find uh, tight end Gerald Everett on his big 69 yard game. That was a beautiful play, and he and he made. He made that play happening by getting out of the pocket, rolling out, escaping from, escaping from the pass rush, and making the throw. Very wise decision. He also made a couple of really nice decisions um, in the latter part of the first half when they when they uh, kicked their field goal. They were stuck inside the twenty yard line. Good coverage. He made a couple of runs to get to the sideline. Uh, got a couple yards out of it. And those are better decisions than taking the sack, and it definitely um, showed some some maturity coming from him. Jared Goff deserves a break. I've said this numerous times. He is, in my view, a rookie. He really is. He's a rookie. And the reason why he's a rookie is he played under, you know, horrible a horrible system last year under Jeff Fisher. He did not in any way come into this league prepared under the old administration there. And I think he deserves some time. The Rams did not lose his game today because of Jared Goff. Yes, he made a rookie mistake 
the interception to Cooper Cup. I had him down, telegraphed the play. Again, he, to me, is a rookie. There's still a learning curve. But this is not, this is not his fault. The loss is his fault. The, this purely falls on three things. You know, penalties, rush defense, and some bonehead plays from the rest of the team. Now, here's some other things to consider here. Sammy Watkins, prize receiver, two catches, 30 yards. That's, that's got to change. Uh, Cooper Cup, three catches, 33 yards. Um, one thing that the Redskins did a good job of, and they noted during the broadcast, was uh, Redskins were doing a nice job of just kind of jamming him at the line and dis- disrupting uh, the Jared Goff-Cooper Cup connection. That, that was interesting to see. And so we need to see other receivers on the Rams making up for that. And today, we didn't see that. The, the two core wide receivers out there, Sam Watkins, Robert Woods, they just didn't get the job done. Didn't get the job done. And that needs to change. Positives. We saw some life out of Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley is going to be fine. 16 carries, 85 yards. Uh, had an early fumble that cost the Rams. Um, came back strong. The more that Sean McVay got him into the offense, got him more involved in the second and third quarter, we saw Gurley's best sequence in since, oh my, I can't even, I got to say 2015. Just in terms of how he looked. He got three passes for 48 yards and a touchdown, rushed for a touchdown, good fancy numbers. Overall, 133 total yards. So I think that's something to build on. Again, Todd Gurley, nice day today. Makes up for that fumble with two touchdowns of his own. And without him breaking open a couple of times, you know, this game isn't close. And that's all we really can can talk about in, in the quick dissection of this loss. The the Rams had their chances in this game. They had their chance to to, to not only beat this team beat this team, um, but build on the momentum from you know, last week's huge 46-9 went over the Colts. The rush defense was a major problem. So, all those things out there, all those things that I'm argued for, there are a couple things that I want to just lay out as well here in the post game. During the game on the Rams Talk page and over our, on Rams Talk on our Twitter as well, saw numerous, numerous complaints about the poppy, not the population, sorry, the attendance for the Rams game and uh, also for the Chargers game, for that matter, making fun of the LA fan base. There, there are numerous things you want to talk about here. There are numerous things to consider. And um, among those things to consider is, do you, do you or should we hold the L.A. fan base to a higher standard to, than the rest of the league. Because you see the L.A. media, Lindsay Theory, um, Harash Mikazi, you know, just ramming this, talking about the, the attendance. And um, Lindsay Theory in particular, I'm, I'm really disappointed in because you are, this is your job. This is your job as a sports writer, a journalist, 
and you mean to tell me you do not understand the economics of sports? Do you mean to tell me you do not understand supply and demand? That's a problem to me. And uh, to me, the LA media um, should be ashamed of themselves. This is Lindsay Theory is one of the the fansome, uh, sorry, the uh, the fearsome twosome podcast as well for the LA Times. I I'm sorry, I, that's a problem, and that is something that needs to be looked at in terms of the reality of what is going on with the Rams. Let's talk about what's going on with the Rams. Let's talk about what's going on with LA in general. But let me throw just a few statistics out there for you. Let's compare a few things. The first comparison here for you. What do we think the attendance was? What was the attendance for the 1996 New York Yankees, for example? Do we know what that was? The year they won the World Series? 28,000. In vaunted Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built, in 1996, 28,000. Okay, I, w- I want to, you know, provide. I want to provide thanks. A hat tip to uh, one of our founders here at Rams Talk, Rudy Hires, for bringing those statistics to my attention today as we were talking about it. Um, we need to have him on the podcast again soon. The Yankees did not average 40,000 fans. Until after winning two more World Series. This was in 1999. All right. Um, they go off and they build this new Yankee Stadium. What do you think the attendance was just two years later after winning um, the 2009 World Series? Anybody know? Does anybody remember this, the, the stories of the Yankees um, actually happened to drop prices? Okay. See, it's... This is this is something to think about. If the vaunted Yankees still have to, you know, work to sell out their games, what does this really mean? We've seen it across the sport. We've seen it with the Dodgers, even the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have the one of the most passionate fan bases in all of football. They're not selling out games. You want to know why? Because they suck. It's the same for any other sports team. It's ludicrous to expect a fan base to blindly hand over cash to attend a sporting event. It's supply and demand. The producer has to supply the product that makes it worth it for the consumer to buy it. And if you are not supplying the product, then you can't expect the consumer to purchase it. This is Economics 101. For those of you who don't know, I'm a social studies teacher in my other, my other life here, okay? You know, I've taught this. It's not hard to figure out. As soon as you can understand supply and demand and apply it, to the principles of, you know, of sports and sports entertainment, et cetera, et cetera, you can see what's happening. The Chargers and the Rams have two unique stories here. 
They have two unique stories. And this needs to be considered. Let's look at the Chargers. The Chargers left a Super Bowl city. That city is, has hosted numerous Super Bowls. They had a fan base that loved them. However, here you are with a city that, you know, can't afford to buy a stadium. The players love playing there. The fans love them. And guess what? The fans in L.A. hated them. For years, L.A. fans stood by and cheered against the Chargers. That's a rival city with a rival football team. They cheered against the Chargers when the Raiders were there. They cheered against the Chargers when the Raiders went to Oakland. Because there's a, a, a large Raider fan base in the Southern California area. Let's be honest about that. So when less than capacity fills the tiny StubHub Center today, all of a sudden, L.A. fans are roasted. Tell me how that's right. Tell me how on earth L.A. fans should just be expected to support the Chargers after years of hating them. Not to mention the tailgate tickets there for like 100 bucks. Am I reading that right? 100 bucks. That's not acceptable. Truth is, the LA, the L.A. Chargers should not exist. That team belongs in San Diego. It never should have moved out of San Diego. And if it was going to be moved anywhere else, L.A. should have been the last place the team was moved to. The NFL owns this. The Spanos family owns this. The NFL's reliance on public funds for stadiums is catching up to it because cities are wising up. And the inner cities, many NFL cities can't afford anymore to be putting up these huge, gigantic stadiums. You're going to notice the stadium out in Inglewood is privately paid for. That's the way of the future. And it's not because cities aren't willing to do it. The money just isn't there anymore. Some things are more important. Schools. Police departments, fire departments, infrastructure. Those are things that should be a priority in a city first. In the end, the NFL messed this up. Yes, the city of San Diego, San Diego has some ownership in this. Um, the Chargers have some ownership in this. They should. And, it, it, you know, it's not right to expect the Chargers to... Um, to compete in Qualcomm Stadium. It's an outdated stadium. Well, you know what? The NFL is a billion-dollar industry. If you value the cities you're playing in, maybe it's time the NFL invests in them as much as they ex expect the fans to invest in the NFL. Anybody ever think about that? That's the Chargers situation now. Now, here you have the Rams. And this is, where, this is where a lot of this rant comes from, this beef. Tell me, tell me how on earth L.A. fans should be expected to gravitate to a team that went 4-12 last year after they filled their stadium to start the year with over 90,000 fans for a preseason game. 
Tell me why. I'm waiting still. Let's just be honest about this. The LA Rams, in particular, ownership. Let's, let's go ahead and put the ownership here. Georgia Frontier, before she left LA, ruined the relationship between the fan base and the team long before the team left for St. Louis. Now, there are a lot of, a lot of diehards that stayed in the city um, that supported the team coming back to the city. They were at the game today. You know, they still follow this team. You know, it's it's important to note that. But there, it's a far cry to expect fans to pay good money or expect fans to give up their Sunday afternoons to watch bad football, regardless if it's the Rams or anybody else. Now, before the average St. Louis fan comes in here, well, I don't know, that's not fair. That's not even right. I'm not going to say the average St. Louis fan, but some members of the St. Louis media and some former members of the St. Louis media who still have an axe grind want to talk about L.A. attendance numbers as if their attendance problems were um, invisible to the rest of the world. I remember very clearly going out to see the Rams play the Vikings in 2012. The Rams were competing for a playoff spot. Um, it was late in the year. And the, I, to give the St. Louis fans credit, they were loud. They were, you know, excited for the game. But let's also be honest and say, well, it wasn't a packed house. It's probably about 45,000 fans. Maybe 50. In a house that holds 67,000. Many more Vikings fans. Remember a Thursday night game. Rams came in against the Cardinals. Um, against early in the year. I, I, I want to say it's 2012. I, I could be wrong. Um, Thursday night game, National TV same thing this is a problem it's a problem for St. Louis fans in particular because they're calling out LA they're calling out LA as if their own problems didn't exist and they're ignoring again the the elephant in the room the elephant in the corner and that's economics. So for this very same reason, those St. Louis fans didn't go to games between 2007 and 2016. It's the same reason Rams fans aren't doing it either. The team has been horrible. A bad product. It's the same for the Yankees. Up to 1996, the Yankees had not been putting into putting on good product. Attendance was 28,000 that season. That's just it's just how it is. When the Yankees, you know, when the dynasty for the Yankees ended after the 2009-2010 seasons, team took a downhill slide. Guess what happens with the Yankee attendance? Same thing. It's the nature of the sport. 
and very few fan bases are able to maintain sellout crowds for bad teams. It doesn't matter the sport. And I'll even argue that if you are willing to keep putting out money for bad football, then your priorities are probably a little messed up. But that's really what <laughs> that's what being a fan is. Some fans really are fanatics. And if they're going to spend that kind of money, that's their business. But to, at, to expect the average L.A. fan to do so when there's competition for their money. More so than in St. Louis. More so than in Detroit. More so than even, I'd argue, to a large degree, even New York City. You, argue, you are arguing stupidity to think otherwise. It's a stupid argument. And I might recommend you take an economics class somewhere if you can't figure that out. In L.A., you are competing with not only, right now, the Rams are competing with the beach. They're competing with the Dodgers. They're competing with USC, UCLA, the Chargers, the L.A. Kings, who are about to start their season here soon. The L.A. Lakers, who will start midseason. The Angels, who are finishing up their season. The Dodgers, who are possibly the best team in Major League Baseball this year. MLS, the Galaxy. Do I need to keep going? Hey, how about Universal Studios? How about Disneyland? Disney World? Oh, guess what? They're still the beach. There are a lot of things to spend money on in L.A. A lot more than you're going to find in St. Louis. A lot more than you're going to find in Cleveland. And I'm even going to argue there's a lot more than even in New York. For the average fan. And to hold L.A. fans to this higher standard is idiotic. And the shame on the L.A. media there for doing the same thing. You want to see fans in the seats? Simple. Win football games. They'll come. The product has to be worth paying for. That's the bottom line. All right. Well, we actually spent more time on that than the actual football game. And that's a shame. Shouldn't feel the need to do that. Shouldn't feel the need to rant about it. The In the end, though, today the Rams lose 27-20. Um, we'll open up the mailbag for our, our preview game, preview uh, podcast for when the Rams take on the 49ers this week. That's a Thursday night game on the NFL Network. We'll hopefully be able to get it, get up a pregame podcast for you. We'll definitely get a postgame out for you. Um, so stay with us for the rest of the Rams talk staff. This is Derek C. Apollo signing off. Rams lose 27-20, but there's some definitive positive in the air.
We'll talk again soon. Have a good one. Drama. Where else does history hang from the rafters? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.